You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture collaboration creativity innovation disruption entrepreneurship or coaching so give us a subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning good morning everybody it is monday morning I hope you're well. It is August 21st, 8.02 a.m. Good morning to some of our regulars. Melissa is there. Good to see you. I see uh, I see. Chris Hogan is there. Nice to see Chris. And who um, else is there? Hannah. Just trying to say a few little hellos to people. Chris. Uh, Chris Boss is there. Peter. Welcome, welcome, everyone. I uh, decided this morning, this bright and early morning, 8.02 a.m., Monday, uh, August 21st, that I wasn't going to share the room outside of Clubhouse. I'm not sure, well, I suppose we could have this conversation, we could have an entire hour about Clubhouse, but I kind of sometimes, I, I kind of loathe being on Clubhouse and talking about Clubhouse. Um, I just feel like for so long, that's all people did. And we actually ended up, I don't know, we ended up doing their work for them. We ended up um, giving them such free market research. And it didn't seem like there was ever anyone on the other end of the line acknowledging or almost creating a catch-all. 
You know, if you can create... Okay, let me take a little step back here for a second. If you are in a position anywhere in life, anywhere in life, whether it's school, whether it's studying, whether it's work, whether it's home life, whether it's your local church, whether it's business, if you're in a position where people are freely giving you advice, wanting to give you advice, actually wanting to help you, shame on you if you aren't able to actually do something about it. Now, obviously, you can't be everywhere all the time. You can't have like clubhouse, you know, people in every room. But actually, you can. <laughs> you actually can. Um, oh, my goodness. I could, I could unpack something else so powerful today, which is just an exercise I once did where you actually had to come up with the world's worst idea and from there pivot to the world's best idea. I kind of almost just did that right now because I'd said – you know, you can't have a member of Clubhouse in every single room, but actually you can. You can through some kind of uh, AI transcription bot that would pull certain pieces of advice or be able to search for certain insights or feedback to Clubhouse. Um, and then and then at least someone could escalate that and contact that person. And at a minimum, just acknowledge. You know, when I wrote Flip the Funnel, um, the and I flipped the word AIDA, Awareness, Interest, Desire, Action, which is the traditional marketing funnel. I flipped it to create ADEA. So from AIDA to ADEA. ADEA stands for Acknowledgement, Dialogue, Incentivization, and Activation. So acknowledgement is thank you. So at a very minimum, wouldn't it just be great if Clubhouse would be like, hey, we know that you were discussing us or you mentioned these things, we acknowledge what you said and uh, we appreciate it doesn't have to be like we've decided to escalate this and have a whole management meeting and strategy session but just like hey we acknowledge it thank you appreciate it keep you know we appreciate that the fact that you're looking out for us so actually they really could do that if they chose to do that but they have not done that um and so my point is if there are you know if you are in a position where you're getting feedback all the time that feedback could save your life that feedback could be that feedback could literally turn an entire business around. So it's really important to be able to um, to be able to deal with that. Now, look, my point that I'm making, just to go back, was that I, I've been sharing, you know, these rooms uh, on Clubhouse, on Twitter, or Threads, or whatever. But you know, it's too much of an ask. It's too much of a leap right now. You really are just talking to people who are already on Clubhouse, who happen to be on Twitter. So it just makes sense to fish where the fish are and talk to people who are on Clubhouse. So what I'll be doing in these rooms is asking you if you feel like it, if you if you will, which of course I would appreciate. Uh, Dave Garcia Doyle says, a collaborative positive feedback loop. So clutch. Oh, I love that statement. In fact, I might have to call this room a collaborative positive feedback loop. I'm always looking for creative names uh, for these rooms. But yeah, exactly. I mean, and you can, you can, Dave, you can actually automate it. You can actually create some kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy here. Um, you know, so, so the question is, how, how can you physically be everywhere all the time? And the answer is, you can, you know, through some kind of, I mean, that's, that could be one of the huge benefits of AI in this particular case. But um, yeah, but anyway, so if people want to share this room, they can share the room. I appreciate it. Um, and if they don't, they don't have to. And um, and I'm going to start to do that as well. Like I'll I'll just hit the um, I'll hit the plus button, invite friends to join, 
and just invite people, you know, just go down the list and invite people. Um, and so I'm just doing that now, you know, hopefully people, people that are on Clubhouse, I mean, you know, by the way, remember the low, hang, whether you call it low hanging fruit or the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. It's a very, very simple, very simple uh, strategy with respect to outreach, with respect to, you know, just having, with business in general, fish where the fish are, right? Um, one of the things we used to do um, uh, when I was consulting more, you know, is we'd say to people, like, imagine your consumer, if you think about customer journey, Imagine your consumer is like running a marathon, right? Or an ultra marathon or an ultra extreme marathon. So whether it's whether it's 42 kilometers, 26.2 miles, or it's like, uh, or it's an extended version of it, you know, you're not just going to go out and stand on a street corner and hold the goo or the water or the Gatorade and hope that they happen to pass by. That's insane. In fact, what you do is you need to know their route. You need to understand their route. And once you know where they're running, then you go stand on their route. And then you offer some value or some utility to them. And obviously, it makes even more sense if you strategically, if you've studied the route, if you actually have a good sense as to when they might need you the most. And it might even make even more sense if you've actually run that route before, just to use you know, the analogy as well, because then you would know exactly when when those times are when when that customer might be hitting the wall or you might be hitting the wall so just to give you you know some little this is just a little bit of a segue and a little bit of this is all tangent the power of the tangent the power of tangent is very very powerful um so it's manifestation monday and it's an opportunity as well like in the last 5 or 10 minutes if anybody wants to come up and share and articulate uh, manifest what their goals are for the week, what their hopes are, their dreams are for the week. Sometimes it really helps to do that, to actually say out loud what you want, what what would be success for you, what would be amazing. You know, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with the world, especially if someone can help you. You never know. So, for example, one of the things I'm going to be doing this week um, is, in fact, I'll, I'll be jumping maybe a minute early um, because... I'm heading to South Africa at the end of October, uh, beginning of November. Um, I've mentioned this, I think I've mentioned this before. My mom passed, well, most of you would know, my mom passed away in January. Um, she was very active in a group called the 100 Club. And um, it were, it's, a, it's a group that really is run by women, for women. Um, they, they help women run business, women-owned business, uh, female entrepreneurs. They also do a lot of work for people that are, uh, for, for for women that are less privileged or underprivileged as well. And my mom was a huge part of that. And so they're honoring her with an evening. Um, and they've asked me to be the keynote speaker. Now I am going to, uh, my keynote is going to be my new book, Forever Change. By the way, the book is not finished yet. So I know I'm manifesting, right? I am going to South Africa and I'm committing to keynoting on that book. So that book needs to be finished, or at least the book, even if I have to go and print 50 galley copies. So I've manifested that. But in addition to that, what I'm going to be doing is, um, is attempting to do some um, uh, outreach and some work regarding EOS, regarding the entrepreneurial operating system. So there's something that EOS calls the talk. 
um, which is a 90-minute version of what normally they have called a 90-minute meeting. So a 90-minute meeting is something, it's a free meeting, it's a no-obligation meeting, where you sit down with one company and you walk them through uh, EOS and you walk them through the process and you walk them through the tools and you walk them through what it would like to be working together. But the talk is a one-to-many approach where you actually stand up maybe in front of 20, 30 different businesses um, and, it's a, and it's a different it's a different value proposition. You're not necessarily talking about one business. You're talking about business in general, and it's more of a workshop. So what I'm going to be doing is attempting to do that talk in Cape Town and then in Johannesburg. Now, in a perfect world, um, I might end up getting, hopefully, four clients in Cape Town, four clients in Johannesburg. But what it would mean is that I would go back to South Africa once a quarter um, to be able to then conduct these focus groups and uh, focus groups, these focus days, vision building days, quarterly and annual um, uh, meetings as well. And the reason why it would make sense is from a um, a cost standpoint. You know, there's an exchange rate issue. Um, also, you know, South African budgets are, are going to be very different to U.S. budgets. And so, the only way to be able to afford it and afford me, and I'm not that expensive actually. Um, is to be able to split the costs and be able to kind of um, split a pool. So that's my manifested goal, is to have that conversation with some of the learning chairs of some of the entrepreneurial organizations and see if we can book these. Uh, It would be amazing to be able to go to South Africa, to be able to honor my mother, to have the book ready, um, and to be able to you know, for me, it's, it's um, you know, I'm South African, ex-South African, what, you know, born in, I still have a South African passport. But I just think, like, wouldn't it be amazing for me to be able to go and have that connection with my culture, with my, my the, the country in which I was born? Um, I'm not just an American speaker or an American coach. I'm an American coach who happens to really understand a lot of the nuance in the culture of South Africa. So that is my goal. I've manifested it. Now I have to go out and make it happen. And if you want to come up at the end, please feel free. So what I wanted to talk to you today about is um, on Saturday night, there was the League's, I think they called it the League's Cup Final. Um, And uh, I think it might have been the first time that they've done it in the MLS because in the MLS, they, they didn't really have like a cup competition like uh, in the in in England they have the FA Cup, um, and um, and uh, Inter Miami uh, ended up winning on penalties against Nashville um, SC. Now the kind of backstory is um, Inter Miami um, under you know owned by David Beckham, legend bended like Beckham, ended up bringing Lionel Messi, um, the goat, maybe the greatest of all time. It can be debated. I personally, maybe because I'm just a little bit older, uh, but I personally think Pele, the Brazilian Pele, was the greatest of all time. But I mean, Messi, is if he isn't on par, he's pretty close. Um, if he isn't actually ahead of Pele. Um, and, um, and Messi uh, was brought out to the MLS. Now, it was a big decision because what's happened is, you know, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context. There really were two players that I think in, in this age were considered to be you know, the two best players. One was Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo, and the other one was Lionel Messi. Uh, Ronaldo played for Real Madrid, Messi played for Barcelona. It, just a classic rivalry, a classic 
narrative. I'm using that word intentionally because today is all about narratives. Um, so you had Messi at Barcelona, um, Ronaldo at Real Madrid. I was fortunate enough to actually go to El Clasico and see um, Real Madrid take on um, take on Barcelona and see Messi and Ronaldo face off against each other um, years ago. Um, now, Ronaldo ended up going into the Saudi leagues. He ended up really taking a boatload of money. In fact, they both, no doubt, took a lot of money. But Ronaldo ended up going into the Saudi leagues and Messi ended up going into, um, uh, into uh, the American league, into the MLS. Um, both could have very easily gone to one of the premier clubs in one of the premier leagues. But they're kind of, you know either defining their own legacy or changing their legacy um, or or maybe not thinking about their legacy because, you know, Ronaldo's legacy uh, has been somewhat tarnished. He's fallen a little bit off the scene. He's gone to a, um, a Saudi club and failed to win with them and failed to actually um, get the silverware that you would have thought one of the greatest players in the world would be capable of. Not so with Messi. Messi came, he scored, I think, seven goals in seven games. And my son tells me it's the seventh time in his career that he scored seven goals in seven consecutive games. Um, And he led them to a cup. And by the way, Inter-Miami were kind of stinking before Messi came along. Um, So on Saturday night, this is how it played out. And actually, I'm going to take it in a very different direction in a moment. So Messi opened the scoring with a brilliant goal in the 23rd minute. Um, then uh, uh, Fafa Picol um, equalized for Nashville in the 57th minute. Now, the game went to penalties, and Inter won 10-9 on penalties, something that hasn't happened often um, but it's actually happened maybe three times that I can remember. It's almost like, I don't know, in, 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 in baseball terms, it's like, um, well, they call it the, uh, uh, like, a, like hitting for the cycle or, or um, I don't know, no hitter. I mean, it's very, very rare. Um, but what actually happened was all 11 players that were on the field took penalties. And when that happens, the way it works, so I'll just kind of, I'll tell you very briefly, there's a lot of context setting here for those of you that are not football uh, football players or soccer stars, I should say. Um, you play five, you, you five mandatory penalties in a penalty shootout. And if at the end of those five penalties, so each side goes one, 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 so they take turns. If at the end of those five penalties, um, the score is still tied, what happens then is it goes to sudden death. So it's 1-1, one, one, then 1-1. One, one. So in other words, if let's say the score is tied at three, at four penalties apiece or five penalties apiece, after the obligatory five, then it goes into sudden death. And so if one team scores and the other team misses, it's over. But what has to happen is, is you go all the way down and when you, if you get to 11, the 11th round, well, there are 11 people on the field. Everyone has to take one penalty. And so typically what's happening at the 11th, you know, in the 11th hour is that the goalkeeper is now taking a penalty. Very unusual. So one goalkeeper is taking a penalty against the other goalkeeper and then it reverses. And that's what happened. And, you know, spoiler alert, one goalkeeper missed against the other goalkeeper and it was the end. Now, if it hadn't happened, they would have started again, and Messi 
who took the first penalty would have taken the 12th penalty. So a couple of interesting things. One is Lionel Messi takes the first penalty, right? So there's, there's a message in there already. So I'm going to try and call out the insights today. The first is, is who steps up at a, you know, who steps up in a crunch time? Who steps up when the chips are down? Who steps up when, when actually everything is on the line? Who takes those five penalties? The second question is, which order do you take the penalty? Do you go first? Do you go last? Some people pr- prefer to go first. Some people prefer to go last. By, by always stepping up first, you set the tone. You kick it off. You kick off, hopefully, with a win. Whereas that fifth penalty, which is often the decisive penalty, again, there's a lot more, there's a lot more pressure there as well. And so another, another thought um, you know, to think about. So Messi starts off and he uh, scores. Then I'm just going to kind of go through. I won't go through the individual names because you may not know who they are. Um, but then Nashville equalize. Then uh, Sergio Busquets scores. Now Busquets also played with Messi in Barcelona. So that's two things that that Inter had gone. They really went and got some of the 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 um, and and they have another um, and a Jordi Elba who I think also was a Barcelona player. So they went and got some of Barcelona's. Greatest players. By the way, I saw all three of them play in that game. But anyway, so Messi scores, Nashville scores, Busquets scores, and then Randall Liel misses. Now I'm thinking to myself at this time, well, there we go. Inter's going to win this. And for, for whatever reason, my heart just goes out to this guy, Randall Liel. I don't know him. I don't even know anything about him. And I just think to myself, can you imagine being that person? Can you imagine actually being the person that misses the penalty? <clears throat> in, in, a, in many respects, you're the reason why your team's going to lose. And then in my head, what is happening is I'm thinking, gee, I hope somebody else from Nashville misses a penalty because then Randall doesn't have to feel like he was the person who was responsible for his team losing. Anyway, um, Inter scores their third penalty. Nashville scores the third, well, their second penalty, but in the third round. Then uh, Inter scores again. Then Walker Zimmerman, who actually plays for the U.S. men's national team, he scores. So it's coming up to the fifth penalty now. Inter can win it. And they have a player, Victor Ujoa, who actually played in the Premier League. So quite experienced. And he misses. I couldn't believe it. And then Sam Surridge comes along and he scores. So now we're at the end of the five. Randall Liel, all is forgiven. He can, re- he can sigh, you know, a, a massive sigh of relief because he's no longer responsible for Nashville <clears throat> losing. So now we go into the sixth round. Score, score. The seventh round, score, score. The eighth round, score, score. The ninth round, score, score. The tenth round, score, score. By the way, DeAndre Yedlin, the captain of... Inter Miami also um, played for the U.S. men's national team. I was surprised <clears throat> that he would have taken the tenth penalty. So there's another storyline there. There's another question: <clears throat> Why, as the captain, would you not have stepped up to have taken one of the first five penalties, or perhaps even that decisive fifth penalty? And then we go to the eleventh round. Uh, Drake Callender scores. Elliot uh, Panico misses. 
the two goalkeepers. Now, some people have said it actually it actually lands a little bit better because it's not like you can expect a goalkeeper to score a penalty. That's not what they do. They are not penalty takers. Also, when you get to the 11th round, you might actually turn around and say, well, at that point, you can't really blame the 11th round penalty takers or the 10th round penalty takers because it was the job of the first five to get it done. But on the flip side, the tension, the anxiety, the fever pitch at the 10th or 11th round must be palpable, must be so insane that emotions are probably, you know, at at an all-time high. What I've done is I've just set up and I've walked you through what actually happened on Saturday night. But now let's talk about the headlines. Let's talk about what the newspaper said the next morning. Let's talk about what the online, you know, um, magazine said the next morning. Let's talk about what Twitter was saying instantly because, of course, Twitter is not the next morning as well. Now, I don't know all the headlines, but I'm going to surmise what the headlines were. First of all, let's talk about um, what actually did happen, Inter won. So everything would be heaping praise on David Beckham. Beckham did it. Beckham came and he said he was going to get a job done and he got the job done. Beckham delivered. Of course, David Beckham married to, you know, Victoria, married one of the Spice Girls, you know, the most, one of the most good-looking humans ever created. Um, of course, Beckham wins. He's a winner. He's going to win. He came to do a job, and he did his job. The other part, of course, is Messi. You know, yet again, in fact, Messi now, by, by winning this trophy, he now, I think, is the, um, he's just eclipsed Danny Elves, who used to be also his teammate in Barcelona. I think he now has 48 uh, trophies in his lifetime, 48, and uh, he was tied with Danny Elves at 47. So there's another storyline, not only actually a bit of personal uh, triumph for him, but of course the Messi legacy, the Messi legacy cemented as the GOAT. Um, you know, more Messi, you know, when when what he did was almost superhuman, seven goals in seven games as well. There also, of course, is the sub-story the sub-story of being able to, um, I just see Bianca saying Pele is the best. That's what I think too. Um, the sub-story of Messi continuing to win and, and uh, his, his, um, uh, his star, his equity, <coughs> his brand continues to rise, whereas Ronaldo's kind of is still stagnant or sinking or falling away. So you've got that. But then, of course, let's talk about the Nashville narrative. So near and yet so far. You know, the little engine that could. Now, I don't even know enough about Nashville. I don't know um, when they were formed. I don't know if they were an expansion club. I don't know if they actually went out. And I, I certainly don't think they spent the same amount. of. They, they couldn't have uh, uh, spent the same money that uh, Inter did. I mean, come on, there's no Beckham, there's no Alba, there's no Joa, there's no uh, Busquets, there's no Messi. Um, but as far as I know, you know, Nashville, you know, they've got an unbelievable fervent fan base. You know, the, it was so near and yet so far, the heartbreak. You know, you can just, your heart bleeds for this, you know, for Nashville. You think of Miami, you think of like, Miami has everything, right? Miami has 
you know, the Dolphins and the Marlins and the, you know, and the Heat and, and it's Miami and it's this big market and, you know, they, and, and you could say they just came and bought success. Whereas Nashville, I mean, Nashville, Tennessee, not really known for soccer. Um, um, and, and you can imagine it probably meant a lot more, um, all things being equal to Nashville than it did to the city of Nashville, to the people of Nashville versus Miami. But then think of what would have happened had the reverse happened. And, and, and truthfully, it's not like Inter were on the brink. Because Inter uh, Miami, they, um, they shot first, right? So they were never behind. They were always in front um, or they were tied. In fact, in fact, they were always, for the most part, in front. They were four to three up. Then they missed a penalty. And then Sam Sturridge equalizes in the fifth penalty to make it 5-5. And from there, it's always 6-5, and 11-10 as well. So it's not like they were on the brink. But for the most part, they were always just one miss followed by one score away from being beaten. And then the headlines would have been completely different. You know, uh, Messi, you know, Messi, uh, it would have been Messi, uh, you know, did so much but couldn't do enough or Messi not good enough or not even, <coughs> most likely it would have been not even Messi could save into Miami or could deliver them the trophy. And, you know, depending on how snarky you wanted to be or depending on how, you know, um, you know, your angle as a journalist, you could have actually come up with a headline that said money doesn't buy success. Money doesn't buy everything. This just goes to show you can't just bring in a, a rock star, a model, you know, literally and figuratively in, in Beckham with all his money and buy all these players and expect to be successful. So that could have been um, the story. Or the story, if you now flip it back to Nashville, could have been about courage and determination and grit, you know, and belief and the underdog and David slaying Goliath as well. So it's interesting. What I've done is I've walked you through this this scenario, right? This scenario and, and how, you know, and, and I'll say one more thing. You know, penalty shootouts are a cruel way to decide a game, a cruel, cruel way. But the way that they're still you know, designed is that you have 90 minutes of regular play, then you have 30 minutes of what's called extra time, and then you have penalty. So it's almost like you can't blame the penalty shootout if you weren't able to win the game in regular time. So that's always the, um, the pushback to the penalty shootout. One that actually says, look, you know, both teams had the same rules both teams had the same odds. Both teams had the same terms and conditions. And at the end of the day, yes, it is a little bit of a lottery. It is a little bit of a kind of roll the dice because, you know, you guess. You guess left, you guess right, you hit less, left, you hit right. Yeah, there's a bit of studying. There's a fair amount of studying. I mean, it's not a complete, like, you know, close your eyes and just hit the ball as hard as you can. Um, there's definitely uh, the U.S. women's team lost in a penalty shootout. Um, with one of their most experienced players, um, uh, Megan Rapinoe, um, missing a penalty. 
Um, but it is still a little bit of a gamble. You still are guessing. Yeah, you do your studies. You know, this goalkeeper tends to dive to his left. This player tends to hit the ball to his right. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to that face-off, staring, look at, looking at them in the eyes and trusting your gut um, or trusting the research um, or a little bit of both and making that decision in the moment. You know, so yeah, Messi scored, then Nashville equalized, and there were no other goals. And so you can't really blame the penalty shootout. I think about it the next morning. I wonder, I wonder, I mean, I don't know this, obviously I'm speculating, but I wonder how the people of Nashville feel the next morning. You know, if they're gutted, if they're heartbroken, probably a degree of that. But if there's the sense of we came so far, we we over delivered. We extended ourselves. We you know we just fell at the final hurdle. We should be proud of what we were able to achieve. Next year we'll get it right. Next year we'll 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 have another crack at it. And even if we don't make it to the final next year, we'll celebrate this experience, the journey. Sure, it would have been great to have celebrated at the end and seen the trophy lifted and the confetti coming down. But but let's not forget every victory along the way. Let's not forget the moments, the the euphoria, the belief, the hope. Um, let's not let's not flush that all down the toilet just because of one penalty kick after eleven rounds of penalties. So I've kind of tried to go through all the different uh, combinations with you and the speculation. And, and you know, on one level, um, you might be thinking, gee, Joe, you've got a lot of time on your hands to have to think about all of these elements of it. And most, and, and, and most people don't. Most people don't. I actually sent um, uh, Elliot a text on Instagram immediately. I, just, I don't know why. I just a DM. I just said, so much love and support for you right now. Just kind of like sending you, you know, just sending you the best wishes. I mean, clearly he was on the field at the same time and he's probably not even looking at it. He might respond at some point. He might not. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, some people are just like, oh, it was a penalty shootout. And, and, and th- by the way, think about all the neutrals that were watching. Think about all the people that, don't support Inter, don't support Nashville, don't even, and, and let's, a lot of people were watching just because of Messi. But let's just assume the people, and let's just talk about the people that weren't watching for Messi or Inter or Nashville. They're just watching because <clears throat> they love soccer or they love the MLS or they just happen to, you know, you know switch on the TV and it was on, etc. They're probably just like, well, that was entertaining. You know, everyone kind of likes a little bit of extra time or, you know, like if you go to a baseball game and you get some extra innings, so they call it like, you know, free baseball, bonus bonus baseball. Um, yeah, I got, I got my money's worth today. I just got a little bit more, you know, it was a little bit more exciting. You know, you can sit as a neutral watching a penalty shootout and your heart isn't in your stomach. You, you know, your stomach isn't in your throat. <laughs> you know, you're not like dying I was like almost dying at that uh, that eleventh penalty. I was like, I can't take it anymore. Just just make it, make it stop, make it stop. You know, so you can almost just look at it and just and just discard it and not feel anything. Or you can you can feel so much empathy that you actually like want to explode. 
um, because you feel so badly. You're seeing triumph and tragedy, and you're seeing it switch in in you know you're seeing it just switch in in a second in one kick of a ball. One day you're a hero, and the next day you're zero. One minute you're the you're you're you know you're the villain, and the next minute you're the hero. Um, it shows you how life can change on a dime. It shows you how fickle life can be. And it also shows you that you can't live your life based on these extreme twists and turns and changes. Because if you do, it's not enough to sustain you. It's too difficult. It's too difficult if you live on the extremes. It's too difficult if the only things in your life are are manic or depressive or if you're extremely happy and euphoric or extremely miserable and depressed. I'm not saying that you should live a vanilla life. I'm not saying that you should live in the middle and not feel. But I'm just saying you've got to be able to protect yourself and insulate yourself against the highs, the, the, the extreme highs and the extreme lows. And the message today is about the narrative. People are going to define your story and define your narrative, but you don't have to let them. You don't have to allow them to, and you don't have to follow it. Anyone can, <clears throat> anyone can label you. Anyone can, can you know, pejoratively or, or, or say who you are, who you aren't. Someone might look at, at me on Clubhouse uh, and jump into this room and look at the... Um, you know, look at my, my PFP and say, and say how, how egotistical and arrogant is that guy? He's, you know, got a, a, a Ken version of him, of himself. Who does he think he is? I, I've seen him in real life. He's no model. He does, he does not even look close to that. He's no David Beckham. And so he's showing this, like, perfect version of himself. Is he trying to mislead us? And then he stays on stage for almost 45 minutes no one else comes up to stage and he just talks and talks and talks and talks what a what what a a, a windbag what a blowhard um that could be someone judging me or or attempting to create a narrative for me that may or may not be true but i get to choose whether i want to subscribe to that narrative or not and by the way good and bad it's not a good idea because if you start to believe the lies that people tell about you, good or bad, the sycophants, the, the enablers, the handlers, the yes men or yes women, um, the success theater, then you, you begin to believe their lies or you get to believe your own shit, so to speak. And that's not a good thing. You, got, you need to de- define your own narrative or you need to be able to live your own story. It's not possible for everyone. It's not. It's not possible for everyone to to be able to blaze your own trail or to be able to write your own, you know, choose your own adventure. But it is possible. And the first step is to realize that that you are not what people say you are. You are not what people say you are. You can become what you believe you could be or you should be. Don't accept. Don't accept the labels. But look, but I would say, before you just outright 
um, reject them, always look for some truth. Try and understand them, no doubt. But in this particular case, you know, when I look at the 22 players that were on the field, the one thing I should mention as well is the way it actually works in a penalty shootout. If you've gone off the field, right, as a substitute, you no longer can take penalties. So the people that are taking penalties are often substitutes as well, just to make things a little bit more um, interesting and challenging. So why would you why would you do that? Well, you know, substitutes come on all the time. Um, so, for example, um, you know, Robert Taylor, Joseph Martinez, Benjamin uh, Kramashi, uh, Dixon Arroyo, they were starters for Inter. They all went off. Um, uh, Randall Liel was a substitute who missed the penalty. So he came on as a substitute. He wasn't even a starter. And he was, you know, whether he asked, and that's another thing as well. Was he told to take the penalty? Did he volunteer to take the penalty? Spare a thought for the people that volunteer to take the penalty. That step up, that say, put me in coach, put me in captain, put me in boss, I'll do it. I'll step up. And then they miss. So in this particular case, <clears throat> Randall Liel um, was a substitute and ended up taking a penalty and ended up missing the penalty as well. And of course, people come on, for those of you that really don't know anything about the, the game, people come on as substitutes. Maybe there was an injury. But generally what happens is when people have been playing for almost 120 minutes, um, they're exhausted. You know, they're, they're, their body and their legs are going into cramp on a regular basis, they typically run um, in a 90-minute game uh, match about 9 to 11 uh, kilometers. So at that point, they've probably been running 14 kilometers or you know 15 kilometers. They are exhausted. And it's a different kind of running because it's stop, start, stop, start. It's a lot of sprints um, as well. So, <clears throat> so to summarize, I see uh, Chris's uh, raised his hand, and I'll bring you up. Um, I try and bring people up at about like eight, between eight forty-five and eight fifty. Um, so I'll do that as well. Um, but I want to just kind of summarize today by saying, you know, this is just a soccer match, you know, and you know, all of these players that we, our heart bleeds for them, and and our you know, and, and we send them messages and, and we see their pain on the field and some of them are crying. They're also, you know, earning good money. I mean, maybe not as much in the MLS, but when you look in the World Cup, uh, you know, Spain just beat England in the World Cup. There's always drama. There's always, in the Women's World Cup, you know, there's always heartbreak. You know, these professional stars and athletes and, and football players, yeah, they get paid the big bucks, um, but their heart's in it. I mean, they want to win desperately. Uh, winning defines them. Winning is a huge, is almost an extension of their personality. It is their identity. It's not that they're just running up and down on a field. Um, you know, there is status. There is legacy. There is a a lot of um, there is a lot of nuance associated with it. Um, but they also make good money too. So we can make a mountain out of a molehill or we can make a molehill out of a mountain, or we can make a mountain out of a mountain, or a molehill out of a molehill, depending on how we view this. 
Um, from my perspective, I think having the empathy and feeling what I felt on Saturday night was a different take for me. Um, and, you know, and, and it helped me in a way it created a different kind of experience for me as well. Um, simply because it wasn't one of my teams, right? I was a neutral, I was a neutral and yet I was a neutral with an asterisk. I was a neutral because I kind of wanted Messi. I mean, I love Messi. He's an amazing player and I wanted to see him win because winners win and he just wins and, you know, and, and I just, just like I wanted Argentina to win the World Cup for him because it was almost like I was living his narrative. I, I, was, I was willing his narrative as well. I definitely won, you know, the one trophy he'd never won was the World Cup and I wanted him to win so badly, even though they were playing France um, and, you know, like, but I have no skin in the game. I have no connection to France. I have no connection to Argentina. Um, both teams actually had one of the players that play for my English football team, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, France had Hugo Lloris, their goalkeeper and captain. And of course, uh, not of course, and Argentina had Christian Romero, who is now one of uh, vice captain for for my local team. Um, so part of me wanted wanted Inter to win for Messi. Part of me wanted Nashville to win because of the underdog. And I and and as this penalty shootout unfolded, my emotions kept on swinging. I kept on saying, I don't know what I want. I don't know what what's better for me. I don't know. Um, What's the better outcome as well? So I kind of loved being in that quandary um, to speak, you know, to speak of. Um, but, but you know, as a as a as a final thought, and then I'll bring uh, Chris up. Um, I think what we see in life, and what I saw, and what I experienced on Saturday night, even in just a silly little game, um, was a microcosm for. Um, for life, how things can change on a dime, how uh, fragile life is, how brittle it can be, how fickle people can be. The hero in the press the next day could have just as well been the villain. You know, for example, just as an example, what if Messi had been the one to miss the penalty? What if Messi had been the one to miss the penalty? What if both goalkeepers had scored and Messi had come up for that 12th penalty and missed it? What a story that would have been. And how would he have reacted? And how would that have defined him? And how would that have tainted his legacy or affected his legacy, if at all? And what would Ronaldo have said about it? And what would have Twitter said about it? It just goes to show you that with all our successes... We need to be humble. With all our successes, we need to accept the fact that it could have gone the other way so easily. And when we forget that, that's when we open ourselves up to being, you know, to being attacked or, you know, or, or, or to become overconfident or arrogant, you know, or to fly too close to the sun. Um, I'm going to bring, uh, I'm going to, bring you up now Chris I'm gonna bring you up now but I just want to say one thing which is you know my English football team as I was saying um, uh, Tottenham Hotspur played Manchester United 
um, on uh, Saturday uh, at home, and they won 2-0. And everyone is just going bananas right now for, for uh, we've got this unlikely um, coach by the name of Ange Postacoglu. He's a uh, Greek-born, Australian-raised um, you know, I don't think he's even played professional football in his life, or at least he doesn't look like it. He looks like he's maybe been to McDonald's one time too many. Um, but he's changed the whole culture and the tone and the mood. And Spurs won 2 0, and everyone is talking about how, you know, how amazing, you know, the, the mood is so high, the morale is so high for Spurs. And everyone's saying Manchester United is the new Spurs, and Manchester United, sorry, sorry, Man United. But people forget that Manchester United, there was one moment in the game where literally one of their players, Bruno Fernandes, had a free header, could have scored, should have scored, maybe 99 times out of 100 would have scored, missed almost an open goal. Maybe it wasn't that blatant as well. And there was another penalty um, shout that was um, turned down that United could have easily won the game 2-0. You know, and that's the point, right? That's the point. United could have won that game 2-0. Spurs did win that game 2-0. It could have been a 2-2 tie. It could have been 3-2. There were, you know, posts that were hitten, uh, hitten. There were posts that were hit as well. Again, it just shows you that when we look back at a narrative, when we look back at a headline the next day, when we look back at, at the Twitter sentiment, it doesn't always tell the whole story. It doesn't always tell the full picture. So that's the final thing I wanted to share today, that amidst all of these narratives, which you can choose to follow, other people's narratives, your narratives, write your own adventure, choose your own adventure, also recognize with all this empathy and humility and and self-awareness and identity that comes into play, that things could have been so different Um, And sometimes you lose and sometimes you win. Sometimes you're on the short end of the stick and sometimes you're the person lifting the trophy. Um, And none of those outcomes should affect and change who you are inside and at your core. None of them should. It's just a good day when you win and a bad day when you don't. Just like you manifest for things to happen on a Monday, they either will happen or they won't. You go back to the drawing board, you go back to the training pitch, and you try again. It is as simple as that. And when we have that little bit of self-awareness, you know, that humility when things are going well, and that grace when things are not going well, that's what keeps us in the game. And remember, you can't win the game if you're not in the game. So with that said, Chris, uh, over to you. Yeah, great topic and a great way of putting sports into everyday life. I think uh, that's what attracted me as a kid to playing sports, right, is that anybody can win on any given day and anybody can lose on any given day. And, you know, you learn from your losses. Um, if you if you win all the time, the, the luster from winning kind of goes away. I mean, if everybody was successful with everything they did, then they wouldn't feel the joy from being successful. And I really love the way that you 
you know, talked about Messi. To me, he is kind of the Tom Brady or the Michael Jordan of soccer. And what he does more than anything else is he makes other people around him better just by being who he is and his work ethic and those types of things. And that's that's how I try to strive to be in my own life, right, is that the biggest way that I can make other people better is by leading by example and and working harder on myself and working harder in everything I do. And that allows people to realize, hey, you know, I don't know what this guy is doing, but I want some of that. So let me try to do some of the things that he's doing. And lastly, I wanted to say is that, you know, another narrative is, is that the true big winner in what happened Saturday night is the MLS. You know, they've struggled for a long time as far as relevance, you know, in America, because American football is what controls this country. And they had record live attendance Saturday night. They had record TV audience Saturday night. So the real winner was the MLS. And the relevancy of, you know, soccer in our country grows exponentially because you get powerful people like Messi that people want to watch and that people want to be, like, involved in that. And it it makes the whole sport better. And I, for one... You know, being a little bit older, soccer wasn't a big thing in America when I was a kid. So I didn't strive to want to play it or I didn't strive to want to be better at it. And what it does now is it shows kids that no matter what they want to do, if they work hard enough and they try to be the best that they can be, they can be successful in anything they want to be successful in. Yeah, I like I like all those points. <clears throat> and you said... Um... You said something really interesting, which is, uh, um, which is, you know, on the day anyone can win and anyone can lose, um, and that is true. <clears throat> that is true, in the sense that you know, when you get to a cup final, even if you are a huge underdog, you know, and it comes down to one game, you know, for the most part, um, you know, little Luton Town that just got promoted to the uh, premiership um, to the Premier League, um, they're not going to win the league. There is zero chance that they'll be able to outspend, outlast, outwin, out, you know, do a Manchester City, for example. Impossible. But in a final, <clears throat> anything can happen. And sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you get lucky. There's an, an own goal, or, you know, one of the other players gets sent off, or the referee misses. Uh, <clears throat> a call. So when you get to that final hurdle, luck, you know, anyone can win. But there's one more point that I wanted to share, which is in order for someone to win, someone has to lose. And, you know, the one way that I've tried to like instill in my, in, in my son in particular, who, you know, is that, I mean, I have two sons, but but in one instance <clears throat> with one of my sons was this idea of you feel really, really bad right now that you lost, you know, and, but there are going to be days that you win. And when you win and when you win big, there's going to be someone who lost, someone feeling what you're feeling right now. It doesn't make you feel better, but it does kind of, create some recognition that it is like this 
every force has an equal and opposite reaction, the yin-yang, however you want to look at it. Um, the fact that, that every time you win, recognize that it, it possibly was the, at the expense of someone else. I mean, you'd like to be in a position where everyone can win, and that's what we're all striving towards creating, right? One to many. Today, for example, in this room, everyone can win. There's no winner or loser, you know? But, but in the case of what I was saying to my son, I mean, think about NFTs, for example, right? For every, the person that sold Justin Bieber their NFT for $1.2 million, they're laughing all the way to the bank. They should. They should still be laughing. His NFT is worth $100,000 now. Fortunately for Justin Bieber, he can afford it. But can you imagine if he didn't? Right? So sometimes I think, you know, there's always, um, it's always important every time you feel you win, every time not you feel, every time you win and you win big, just pause for a second and wonder, even if you don't know, even if it's completely anonymous, and wonder and marvel and and introspect if someone potentially lost, you know, in order for you to win. It's not your fault. It may not even be their fault. They may not even feel that they lost. Um, but just spare a thought for them. And on the on the flip side, when you lose, not only be happy for the person that won, but hopefully have faith that your win and your day will come soon. So, Chris, I just saw you said you got to go. I'm going to actually leave a couple minutes early as well. Just want to, uh, because we are here and it's 8.56 and I have the opportunity just to say to Bez and Slick in our Discord, uh, Kalyani, Melissa, Dave, Raphael, uh, Raphael or Rafael, Rhonda, uh, Nawaf, Lisa, Bez in two places. He cloned himself. Uh, Bear, uh, Kalashan, Sarik, uh, Ivania, and Kevin, I appreciate you. And, of course, Chris for coming up. Have an amazing day. Manifest your goal for the week. Manifest your desires for the week. Manifest what winning and losing looks like. Um, but remember, you know, sometimes you lose the battle to win the war. You lose the round to win the fight. Um, you learn from your defeats. You keep going. You keep growing. Um, surely victory uh, will be in your sights soon enough. Have an amazing day, everyone. Bye-bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.